If you would take your Bible and turn to two passages of Scripture, Matthew 16, 16 and 17, and also John 8, verse 9. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 16 and 17, and then John chapter 8 and verse 9. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 16 and 17 says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then verse uh, chapter John chapter 8 and verse 9 it says, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Now, you might say, what in the world does those two passages of Scripture have to do with each other? Well, I, wonder, I want you to think about what Jesus said to Peter, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And... What tonight I'm going to look at is a comparison of conviction of spirit, of the spirit of God, or your conscience. John 8, they were convicted in their conscience, but they didn't yield to the spirit. Um, but the spirit of God is what revealed to Peter... Um, who the Lord Jesus Christ was. So conviction of spirit or conscience. We're going to focus on uh, those two things tonight and the difference and the liberty that Holy Spirit conviction brings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word tonight. We thank you for the truth of thy word. Thank you that, um, that Christian life is a life. It gives life purpose a way, a direction, a philosophy of life, and that gives us peace, assurance, and confidence, and enriches our lives. For your glory and honor, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Your conviction, conviction is defined in several ways. It's a fixed or firm belief. You, have, you say, I have convictions about certain things. You have a fixed or firm belief. Of course, being convicted can mean you're convinced, and of course, there's really are similar things. You know, you're con so it's something you're convinced of, and and so tonight, as, as we consider this, you know, conviction of conscience or Holy Spirit conviction, and of course, the idea of yielding to that. Uh, as we think about conviction of conscience, now I'm going to be going back from one to the other and comparing them tonight to show you the fruits and the results of each. Um, there's a lot of people in our world tonight that have are convicted in their conscience. But con conviction in your conscience doesn't change your life. I'll tell you what it will do, it will make you a miserable person. That's why so many people are angry. And many of them don't even know really what they're angry about. Conviction of conscience, first of all, we see here in John 8, when Jesus spoke to these 
uh, Pharisees who had brought the woman caught in adultery, and they wanted her stoned, of course. And he said, verse 9, they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience, went out by one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, the woman standing in midst. So they were convicted in their conscience that they had broken them, they themselves had broken the law of God. See, they were, what they were really saying is this, this woman, we've caught her in adultery. And again, it's interesting, there's no man here presented, because the last I checked takes two to commit adultery. Uh, but there's no man involved here. And so they bring this woman and says she'd been caught in adultery, and, and uh, of course the law said to stone her. And so Jesus said to them, uh, ye without sin cast the first stone at her. And they're convicted. In other words, they, the, the law convicted them that they were also guilty or condemned before a holy and righteous God. So they, they had this condemnation on themselves that they had broken the law, that they were bad, they were evil. But Holy Spirit conviction doesn't just condemn oneself. It is conviction that I have offended a holy God. Go to Matthew 16, if you still have your place there. Drop down to verse 23. Matthew 16, 23 says... Uh, well, let's, let's get the context. Verse 21. From that time forth, Jesus began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised again a third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Now, Jesus, Peter had just said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and then Jesus telling him he's going to be crucified, and Peter said, No, it's not going to happen. But he, that is Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. See, Holy Spirit conviction brings a conviction that not all, not are we just condemned before God, but we've offended a holy God. Uh, in Genesis chapter 39, verse 9, when Joseph, Potiphar's wife, you know, was trying to get Joseph to sin with her, in Genesis 39, 9, Joseph says to her, There's none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It wasn't just a sin against Potiphar or against Potiphar's wife or something that would condemn himself. No, it was a sin against God. Deuteronomy 20, 18 says, that they may teach you not to do after all their abominations, talking about the people of the land, which they have done unto their gods. So should ye sin against the Lord your God. You see, conviction of the Holy Spirit brings us to the place where we realize that our sin is not just, it's not just we are bad, but we have offended God. We offended God. You know, lots of people will admit that they're evil. But until they are willing to admit and understand that their sin is against a holy and righteous God, there isn't really much hope for them. They'll just remain in their condemned state. (laughs) 
conviction of conscience, secondly, gives a vision of sins committed. Again, John 8 9. They began by the, convicted by their own conscience without one by one, beginning at the eldest. In Genesis 42, we see a good example of this. And Joseph's brethren, when they stand before Joseph and he's, uh, he's chastising them, he's, he's testing them. And they said in Genesis 42, 21 and 22, it says, And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us. You know, and again, understand, they don't even know it's Joseph. They don't know who this guy is that's treat, ill-treating them. But their guilty conscience is bringing them to remembrance their sin against their brother. So we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this stress, distress come upon us. And Rupert answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you would not hear? Therefore, behold, also his blood is required of thee. See, see, a, a guilty conscience or a conviction of our conscience brings a vision of our sins that we have committed. But Holy Spirit conviction can bring a vision of our sin canceled. Canceled. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, we can have our you know, the Holy Spirit conviction or the understanding of the revelation of the Spirit of God can, can give us an understanding that our sin can be canceled. Forgiven. 1 John 1.7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. See, we can have, a, we can have an understanding that our sin can be canceled. We're not just condemned and we've committed evil things, but it can be canceled. Canceled. Conviction of conscience speaks in terms of morality, doing better, changing my life. The Holy Spirit conviction speaks of spirituality, allowing or desiring the Spirit of God through His Word to search us and to reveal Himself to us. You know, I compare it to like, you know, your conscience will constantly bring up dirt and mire and evil. You know, you look at all the bad. The Spirit of God, as you search through the Scriptures, the Bible compares it to like seeking for hid treasure. Silver and gold. Now what will silver and gold do for you? Will not enhance your life? Enrich your life? And see, we need, we need to allow the Spirit of God to reveal His truth to us so we can have, find those treasures that God has given to us in His Word. You know, a treasure like having our sin canceled and not being continually condemned before God. 
Look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And this is what, this is what the Spirit of God is, is the purpose, one of the purposes, and the job of the Spirit of God is to reveal Christ to us. John 16, verse 13 and 14 says, How be when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. So the, the Spirit of God is going to show or reveal God to us and the treasures of Yah. See, that's what Holy Spirit conviction does. He reveals God to us. Not only ourselves and our sin, but also God. And the compassion and mercy of God. Uh, Conviction of conscience prides itself in good works. Like the rich young ruler who says, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus began to name some things, talk to him about the law. But you know the problem with good works? You never attain unto perfection. It will never satisfy you as good enough. You will always be guilty. Always fall short. There is none righteous, no, not one. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit produces faith. Faith in the mercy and forgiveness of God, which is a living reality that produced by the Spirit of God. Uh, look at Romans chapter 9. <clears throat> Romans, Romans 9, verses uh, 30 to 32. Romans 9, verses 30 to 32, it says... What shall we say then that the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness, notice, which is of faith, but Israel which followed after the law of righteousness hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. And so, you know, Israel, of course, speaking of the, the Jews in Jesus' day there and Israel as a nation, you know, they, they, pride themselves in their good works. But they can never attain the righteousness of God through their good works. See, the Holy Spirit produces faith. Repentance and faith. And faith trusts in the mercy and forgiveness of God. Which again produces Good works that are acceptable to God. Uh, conviction of the conscience brings about a repentance toward a past life. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, we know the story of Judas. How that he, uh, after he betrayed the Lord Jesus, he, he, re- he repented himself. Uh, Matthew 27 verse 3 says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned and I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. 
He cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went out and hang, went and hanged himself. So Judas repented uh, toward his past life. He repented of himself. He knew he was guilty in his conscience that he had betrayed innocent blood. He had betrayed an innocent man. You see, the Holy Spirit conviction brings repentance toward God, not toward yourself. Do you see a pattern here? Conscience is about self. The Holy Spirit is about God. There's a different focus. There's a different focus. You know, Paul's message, and of course all the, all the apostles' message, was repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. There needs to be repentance toward God. A change of mind toward God. Not just yourself, but toward God. The conviction of the conscience will bring a conversion, if you will, to a higher ideal of living. (laughs) You know, like the Pharisees, they provided themselves in the letter of the law. And they garnished the the sepulchers of the prophets and and the and the tombstones of the of the of the the elders and all those things and and pride themselves in, in the temple worship and all that and and they're giving their tithes and of Annas and Reuben and all those things but they forgot mercy and justice and judgment. And Jesus said, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you just will no wise enter in the kingdom of heaven. See, the Spirit of God brings a conversion to Christ and the life of the Spirit of God. And we now live by the Spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. You know, the letter of the law said, they brought this woman that said stoner. The Spirit of the law said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. There was forgiveness. Yes, the Spirit of the law says that we ought not to look on a woman to lust after her, but the, the, the letter of the law would kill you if you did. But the Spirit of the law says, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. It's not excusing sin. But there's mercy and forgiveness and not just death because Christ took our death for us. And this conscience is busy in all men. Look at Romans chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15. Romans 2, 14 and 15. Romans 2, 14, 15 says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts of meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So your conscience is going to accuse you of your sin, or it's going to excuse you. But either way, you're going to remain condemned. And every man has a conscience. Now, you can sear your conscience. You can render it ineffective. But every man has a conscience. 
And but the Holy and so the, the conscience is busy and all that, but the Holy Spirit operates only in those to whom he is permitted to operate. In John chapter six and verse forty four. John 6 and verse 44. Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And of course in Matthew 16, verse 17, which we read a little while ago at the beginning, you know, Jesus said to Peter, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And see... These apostles had allowed the Spirit of God to give them understanding and reveal Himself to them. And, and you know, again, the Holy Spirit will only operate in those who permit Him to. Also, conscience sees a, quote, way, unquote, of help. Look at Romans chapter 9 and verse 2. Romans 9 verse 2. We'll look at a couple verses here. I'm sorry, Romans 9, I think it's verse 32. Uh, Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. And so, you know, again, it speaks of the, the, of Israel seeking God. I mean, they sought the truth. They sought God, but they didn't seek Him after the due order or the right manner. Chapter 10 tells us that very clearly. Verse, uh, 2 says, chapter 10 verse 2 says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So they didn't do it, do it in a right manner. They didn't seek Him according to the Lord's will. You know, it's very similar to what David did when he tried to bring up the, the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Uh, in First Chronicles fifteen thirteen says, For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. So he didn't follow God's instructions in the transportation of the temple. You know, he made a brand new ox cart and put that nice, that, uh, the ark on that nice ox cart. And surely, going all this expense and extravagance, God would be pleased. But God was not. And a man died as a result. No, they were to simply, the priests were simply to take those staves, those poles, put them through the rings, and just carry it. That's how it was to be transported. You see, they didn't do it after the due order. And, you know, conscience will see a way or try and make a way to worship God, but it will not be pleasing unto the Lord. Look at Matthew 23. And again, we see this with the life of the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, where Jesus was uh, condemning them in very strong terms uh, for their hypocrisy, Matthew 23, 30, 23, 
says, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. You blind guides with strained a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you like, like unto the, you like unto the whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have partaken with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. So the Pharisees, you know, conscience is worried about the outward appearance. You know, the Spirit of God works forth from within, in the heart. He is concerned about the outward, but if you take care of the heart, the outward will take care of itself. <clears throat> See, conscience sees a way. And what you have here is these Pharisees making their own way or their own plan of seeking redemption from God. I mean, we've got to memorize certain passages, number of passages of Scripture. We have to offer a certain number of sacrifices. We have to give our tithes of everything, make sure our tithes are all taken care of. We have to make sure that the the sepulchers of the prophets are all taken care of. And, you know, we have to do all these things. And because we do all these things, surely God will be pleased with me. Make sure my hair's cut just right and I dress just right. And, you know, and I do all the rituals that I need to do. See, the focus is on their way, on what they're doing. The Holy Spirit's focus is on, let's see the Son of God. Let me show you the Savior. After all, He is the way, the truth, and the life. I'll show you the Savior, and then you follow Him. Follow him. Conviction of conscience can bring temporal relief or temporal deliverance. It's temporary. Like the rich young ruler seeking some temporary relief came running saying, What good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But the Spirit of God, or conviction of the Spirit, doesn't bring temporary relief. It brings eternal salvation. John 10, 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You see, he gives us eternal life. You'll compare the Samaritan woman. You'll compare the rich young ruler and the Samaritan woman. 
The rich young ruler was convicted in his conscience. He was seeking a soothing of his conscience, not feeling satisfied with his relationship with God, but he wasn't willing to repent toward God. Here comes the Samaritan woman who's lived a life of sin. And if you were, you know, if you were, you know, a Pharisee looking at her, you know what you'd think of her. And Jesus, of course, speaks to her and offers her everlasting life. And she goes away in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, in verses 23 to 29, we we pick up the the narrative there, and it says, But the hour cometh, this is Jesus speaking, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And you see Jesus instructing her on who God is. And how you can have a relationship with God. And the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, Why seekest thou, and why talkest thou with her? The woman left, then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Now, she's not going in there and asking them, Men, do you think this is Jesus Christ? No, she's saying, This is a man who told me, This is the Christ! This is the Christ! She's declaring that this is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. See, the Holy Spirit revealed that to her. She was declaring it. In fact, if you drop down to verse 42, it says, The men now said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. See, that's what she just declared to them. This is the Christ, the Savior of the world. See, those who are only conviction in their conscience acknowledge Jesus as someone who will help them with some, has some good ideas. But for the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. It reveals Him as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He's not just a good teacher or someone with some good ideas or some self-helps. He's the one who, can, who, who took all our sins upon Himself so that we might have forgiveness and deliverance and our sin debt canceled for all eternity. You see, she believed it, she received it, 
And the spiritual became more important than the temporal. Notice the verses 28 and 29 says, Then the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men. Now, why'd she come to the well? She came to satisfy her physical thirst to get some water. And she leaves it. It's not really that important anymore. The spiritual takes precedence over the temporal. And she went into the city and said to the man, Come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? You see, the eternal has taken the place of the temporal. Yeah, there's not much more important to us than our temporal well-being in this world, is there? But when the Spirit of God reveals to us the person of Christ and the sacrifice that He made and reveals God to us, when we accept that truth and, and allow Him to teach and instruct us, the eternal becomes more important than the temporal. And her past, I want you to think about this. Her past was no longer the focal point. Christ is. Now, she talked about her past. She accepted that she was a sinner. She said, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. But that's not the focal point here. The focal point is, this is the Christ who cancels my past, cancels my sin. And of course, God's Spirit operates in those that are open to Him. Jesus did two things with the Samaritan woman. He declared and revealed her sin and her need. And then He declared and revealed Himself who could take care of her need. See, conscience will condemn us. Conviction of the Spirit can give us life and liberty and blessing. If we follow our conscience, we will live a condemned life. Guilty. Because we all know we're all guilty sinners. If 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 every person would just be honest for themselves, they would admit they're all, we're all guilty sinners. And so we would live condemned. But the Spirit of God gives us life. Shores us of the mercy and forgiveness of God. And if we follow the leading of the Spirit, you know what He does? He leads us away from sin and self to the Savior. And see, no more is the focal point me and my sin. It's the Lord and what He has done for me. You know, we live in a world that's easy to get discouraged nowadays. And we can focus on the evil. There's plenty of it. 
And we can focus on our own wicked hearts. But we need to allow the Spirit of God to lead us into a life of liberty, a life of blessing, and a life of enrichment. John chapter 16 and verse 33. <clears throat> he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And of course, he had just given them the promise that the comforter was going to come. And he would comfort them. And he would speak of the Lord himself and glorify him. So we, we need to live with the conviction of the Spirit and not be convicted of our conscience. We need to have a fixed and firm belief in the person of the Holy Spirit and his leading in our life and trust him, rest on, his, on the promises of the word of God, allow him to lead us to focus on the Lord and not on self. I mean, if you dwell on yourself all day long, you'd be like Elijah having your own pity party. Now, I must say, I have those once in a while. I have my own pity party. The only problem is nobody attends because nobody wants to. But if we focus on the Lord and what He has given us and promised us, we will have joy and peace in Him. Conviction of conscience or conviction of the Holy Spirit? One brings condemnation and death. Guilt. The other brings life. Sin canceled. Forgiveness. And assurance of eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly